<coughs> so I want to share with you an old part. This part is ancient. I don't know how old. But this beautiful vart that I heard more than once from uh, one of the elder rabbinic statements, statesmen of the previous generation, this beautiful vart is something that I'm now thinking about in the context of Purim. And I'm curious, because this is still an idea in formation, if this vart that we're going to share if it really is a little piece of understanding or a window or a way of framing our understanding of Purim on a deep level. So let's try. So before I tell you the Vart, which is a very simple Vart, I want to think about the, the Hasidic tradition that compares Purim and Yom Kippur. This is a well-known idea. That the word Kippurim like Kippur, Yom HaKippurim, contains within it Purim. So what is the significance of the connection between Yom HaKippurim and Purim? That's the most basic question. Fascinating is that this idea of Yom HaKippurim and Purim, it's not just a beautiful drush and a play on words. There is a medrash, This is an astonishing medrash that's really the second layer of this question. The Pasuk says in Mishlei, Chachmos Bansa Besa Tavcha. Meaning the Pasuk says, Chachmos Nashim Bansa Besa. We all know that the women are the ones whose wisdom builds the house. Tavcha Af Archa Shulchana Zu Esther Hamalka. Who arranged and organized the table, who set it up? This was Esther. So you see it on, this, on the, the page in front of you. When Haman, the one who caused Tsar to the Jewish people, and she brought lots of wine, so Haman thought, must be, I'm the man of the hour. Because all of this organized uh, situation, that caused the downfall of Haman. So, so far, this medrash, nothing surprising, nothing special, right? You know this medrash, great. But what's, what's wild is the last line in the medrash, the last two lines, that Esther arranged the table for this world and the next. So what does that mean? Shakol hamoados asidin libotel. All of the holidays will, in the future time, be cancelled. Know this idea? Okay. Vimei hapurim lo liolam, as the pasuk says, v'zichram lo yosef mizaram. Their remembrance. I'm adding this. Will never be forgotten, and lo yavru mitochayudim. It will never pass on. But look at this next line. Rebelezer Omer, Af Yom Kippurim lo yibata la'olam. Yom Kippur will never be batal. Shenemar v'hoisazos lochem l'chukas olam. I don't know if I ever knew this medrash until this year, until I started thinking about this. And if I did, I forgot it or didn't pay attention to it. 
But this is really a deep connection between Purim and Yom HaKippurim, that both of them are not batal la'asid lavo. So I want to understand, what does that mean? What does Purim have to do with Yom Kippur? And what is Purim that it is not going to be batal la'asid lavo? And what is Yom Kippur that Purim and Yom Kippur are not going to be batal la'asid lavo? That's what I really want to understand. So there is a, a tradition, a very interesting tradition, about the nature of Yom HaKippurim. There is a gematria. If you take the gematria of the letters HaSatan, the Satan, you come up with the numbers. Let's do the math. So Shin is 300. That's right. So what does that tell you when you have the gematria that gets to the number 364? What number is significant about 364? It's one less than 365. That's right. <laughs> There's one day no that power. the Satan, right? You know this idea. The Satan has not power. That's why probably some of the Mepharshim explain there's one Masechta in Shas which is called Yoma, the day. What Masechta is Yoma? What is the content of that tractate? That's right. All the Seder Avodas Yom Kippurim and all of the restrictions in the eighth parak, all the practices of Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur is not just a day. It is Yoma, Yom, the one day. There's one day in the year where the Satan doesn't seem, I mean, we don't know exactly what this means. This is deep, deep secrets of Torah. But it seems to us that somehow the Satan disappears. He doesn't exist on Yom Kippurim. Somehow all of the dangers and the challenges and the criticism of the Satan somehow doesn't exist. And that's why it's called Yoma. This is one day of the year. What's the pshat? What does it mean when Chazal are indicating to us that the Satan doesn't exist on Yom HaKippurim? Yom HaKippurim, the Yom HaKadosh, is a day when Hashem's presence is as palpable as possible in this world. We have a tradition that Itzumo Shol Yom is Mechaper. The essence, just existing on the day of Yom Kippur, provides atonement for a person. Why? Because, let's say, let's say you could go to a car wash. You ever go to a car wash? Sometimes we take the kids. It's a fun activity when it's like, I don't know, COVID or something. You need real, you're like really desperate. So you go in a car wash. What would happen? We never did this, but you know, maybe some high school kids probably tried this once. What would happen if you went in a car wash without a car? That's right. Would you get wet? Yeah. Yeah, you get wet. What if you didn't plan to go in a car wash with that? Let's say you went in a car wash and the windows were down and they were stuck. So you had no kavana, no intention of going in the car wash, but we went in the car wash. You get wet. When we experience Yom Kippur in Lahavdil, although there is a machlokas, whether you need to have some level of kavana, is mechaper la'inam shavim even, but the idea of Yom Kippur it's like going in a car wash. 
you get wet because you are immersed in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's why Rav Soloveitchik, Rabbi Yosef Dov Soloveitchik, was makbid that when they said the video on Yom Kippurim, they say, he, he pointed out that you say, Ana, please, or now, Vashem Kaperna. The Vashem with the name, it's different than Ana Hashem. Ana Hashem is please God. Ana Vashem Kaperna, with the presence of Hashem, that through that immersion in the name of Hashem, meaning the essence of Hashem in the world, you get kapara. Ana vashem kaperna. Through the interaction that we have, whatever that means, that we somehow become submerged, surrounded by the presence of the Rabbonu Shalom, that provides kapara. It's like being inside of a washing machine, of a... Of a of a spiritual car wash. You're surrounded by the presence of Hashem. What is the opposite of the presence of Hashem? It's the hiddenness of God. It's the denial of God. Yom Kippurim is the, the best, the closest we can get to seeing Hashem, to feeling Hashem in the world. That's Itzumo Shal Yom, and the opposite of that is the denial of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Satan, so to speak, the Rebbe Shalom obviously created, there's no such thing that's outside of Hashem, but the Satan created a force, the Hashem created the Satan, which is a force, Kivyachol, that is anti-God. Right? The Satan tries to convince us to do things against the Rebbe Shalom, which is insane. How does the Satan even exist? So if you ask the, the, the chassidim, they'll tell you the satan, it's not really clear that the satan really exists. Maybe the satan is just a mirage. But even if the satan does exist, it's just something that Hashem allows because he gives it ratzon to exist. But, but it's the worst thing ever. It's anti the Rebona Shalom. It's pretending, so to speak, that the Rebona Shalom doesn't exist. What is the personification of the satan in the world that we live in? What is that force that is a human expression of the ultimate denial of God? That's right. That's right. Amalek. Amalek is the human expression, is a personification of the denial of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So if you were to ask me, what is the, the, the worst possible enemy of the Jews in the world? What would you say? Amalek. Right? That's it's the worst possible thing. And what's going to be our job, our responsibility? One of the Tariyag mitzvot is Timche es Zecher Amalek. You have to rid ourselves even of the slightest shred of Amalek. Amalek, the, the denial of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that only exists in our world, which is finite, in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is hidden. In our world, there is the possibility for Amalek. That's why the Pasuk says, Vayomer ki yor al ka Hashem ba'amalek midor dor. 
The Pasuk says about Amalek that there will always be a struggle from generation to generation because there's always the possibility that someone will deny HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But as long as there is this possibility of anti-Hashem, then Chazal say, Ein Hashem Shalem, the name of God is not f- filled. Look at the Pasuk, it says yod It doesn't say yod and and vav And there's also something else that's missing. You see, there's a word that's weird. Yod al case. What kind of a word is that? The word should be kisei. But the Rabbonu Shalom, so to speak, doesn't have a throne, doesn't have a chair in this world that is Shalem because there is a force that is against the Rabbonu Shalom. And what is that force? That force is Amalek. So the Satan, the Malach Amavis, Amalek, hiddenness, finiteness, all of that has no Shlita on one day. What day is that? Yom HaKippurim. Okay, so now maybe I'm starting to understand. Because what is the meta-narrative of the story of Purim? It's the story of Milchemes Amalek. Haman Ha'agagi. Haman is associated with Amalek. And it's interesting. We are told, we, rem- we mentioned before, Timche es Zecher Amalek, Ksovzos Zikaron Basefer, when it comes to Amalek, we're worried even about the thought of Amalek, because even thinking denying the Rebbe Shalom is, is Amalek. Even that thought is dangerous. You have to remove even the Zecher of Amalek. And on Purim, what is the emphasis on Purim? Nizkarim. The Gemara Megillah mentions several places. Pasuk says, V'hayomim ha'ela nizkarim v'na'asim. Dor Vador, every generation. There's an Indian of Zechira. That's why the Gemara, when it refers to Mikra Megillah, it's called Zechira. There is the mitzvah of Zechiras Amalek, and that Zikaron, that Zechira, emerges in the story of Purim. That's the whole Indian of Haman Ho'agagi. Purim, we see Amalek in its worst manifestation. Literally, because it's the anti-godliness, so their goal is to wipe away God. Racious. We are, the Jewish people, we are the racious, we are the, so to speak, the, the first, the vision, the ultimate. But racious, Amalek. Amalek is the anti-Jews. So they're coming, and this idea of zikaron, is emerging in the context of Purim because it's the struggle of the Zechra of Amalek. So it's not surprising to you that what do we lay in the Shabbos before Purim? What do we lay in the Shabbos before Purim? That's right. The truth is, if you look in the Sefer HaChinuch, if you look in the Sefer HaMitzvot, there's no mitzvah to lay in Parsha Zachar before Purim. Meaning the, the din of Parsha Zachar is you have to remember the, the mitzvah of Mechias Amalek. Remember that. First of all, it's interesting that it's once a year every year. You could have thought maybe it's once a day. It's once a year. But Chazal Rekoveya, where do you remember Mechias Amalek? The week before Purim. Because that's the whole story of Purim. The Zechira, 
we have to remind ourselves that we have to re- re- remove and eradicate the Zeicher Amalek. When is Amalek going to be eradicated? Amalek is going to be eradicated when the world comes to a Tikkun, when it comes to a place where there's no more Satan, where there's no more Ra, when it's a place of just that's what we call Olam Haba, La'asid Lavo, Ganeidin, whatever name you're going to give to it. Yom Kippur is like a little taste of Olam Haba. If Shabbos is Me'in Olam Haba, Yom Kippur is Shabbos Shabbason. It's the space where there's no more Amalek. Yom Kippur, there's no Satan, there's no Averus, there's no denying the Rabboni Shalom. So what's Purim? Purim is a miniature Yom Kippurim. It's the day that we combat a Malik, a godless world. Adkan, we, we, we think this makes sense? Because I'm still working this idea out. Tell me if you think it's... Does it make sense so far? Yes? Could you clarify the um, Zachor versus Timcheh? So, <clears throat> the Rabboni Shalom gives us this interesting mitzvah that we have to remember our responsibility to erase even the memory of Amalek. There's a, one of the six Sechiros that we have in the Siddur after Shacharis to do on a daily basis, but of course it's a mitzvah daraisa once a year, Remember what Amalek did to you, and we remember that we are required to eradicate even the memory of Amalek. So there is a mitzvah of Zechira, of Zechiras Mechias Amalek. The element of Zechira here is actually like a double entendre. There's a mitzvah to remember, to eradicate the memory. Zachor Eisashar Asalacha Amalek. Timche es zecher amalek. So we have a mitzvah of zechira, of reading Parsha Zachar, remembering that we have to erase amalek. But what we're erasing is not just amalek, there's a mitzvah of mechias amalek, but there's even mechias zecher amalek. Because any shred of amalek means a shred of godlessness. A shred of a world that denies the Rabbon Shalom. And that can't be. And la'asid lavo, when the Rabbon Shalom brings the tikkun to the whole world, then Amalek will disappear because there will be no place for the denial of God. There is no hiddenness. So will we have a mitzvah of Zechir Asmechias Amalek once Amalek is gone? Probably not. Because oh. La'asad level, there won't be any more that, that won't exist. This we're talking after this world, in the Olam Haba. Right. In Olam Haba, there are no mitzvahs in general, but certainly not this mitzvah. Ah, but somehow Yom Kippur will exist in Olam Haba. What does it mean that Yom Kippur is going to exist in Olam Haba? Exactly what we're saying. Yom Kippur, it's not going to exist as a day of atonement. It is going to be the essence that is the experience of Olam Haba. We're all going to have one day where we'll be nan and where we'll be just with the presence of Hashem. That's what it means that Yom Kippur is not going to be bata la'asilavo. In the world to come, when Hashem's presence will be holy and completely manifest, so then that's Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur all the time.
will just be living with the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah? So how does that drive with Purim? Exactly. Oh. So now let's explain. What does it mean that Purim, this is exactly it. So what does it mean that Purim is like Yom Kippur? What does it mean that Purim is not going to be Batala Asulavo? So here's the Vart. This is what we've been building up to, this very sweet Vart. And I heard this Vart from Rabbi Rafal Pelkovitz, Zichron Levracha. Rabbi Pelkovitz was the rabbi of the White Shul in Farakway for over half a century, for many, many years. And he was married in his Zivuk Sheni to Nachama's grandmother, she should live and be well. She is Biliyayin Hara, 94 years old, flying back to the five towns from Florida tomorrow by herself. Beyond, beyond. Last year, this is my favorite. I mean, there are many, many Maisim about her. She's like, she's a Rebbe in her own right. Last year, we had a little snafu. Her flight after Pesach from Florida back to New York got delayed 11 hours in the airport. So, Everybody was very nervous about this, but the, the thing that was irritating to her was that 11 hours in the airport and she couldn't get the Dafyomi app to work to listen to Sruli Bornstein for the day. Because she listens to her friend Sruli give the Daf every day. And I, think, I don't remember, she was in the middle of Nazir or some, and she's like, I spent 10 hours in the airport and I couldn't hear the Daf. 94 years old. Like, this is what we're talking about. So, unbelievable. Halavai, we should all be like that. You know, on a good day. <laughs> so Rabbi Pelkovitz used to come with us for Pesach, and I heard this from him more than one time. The Vardi said was on this Pesach that we say in Davening every day, Baruch HaTo Hashem, Mishan Umiftach Latzadikim. What is the difference between a Mishan, something that you lean on, you rest on, and a Miftach, something that you have security with? What's the difference? So he used to tell a Mashal from the Sfarim, his farm, you know, he, he grew up in America, but his rabbeim came from Europe. He spent a, a little bit of time in Israel. His father was a rub in Bridgeport, Connecticut in the 20s and 30s. So he said, a mashal, he used to tell uh, Mishalom like this from Europe. He said, once upon a time, there was a Russian peasant and he worked on a farm and it was very cold in the wintertime. And every month or so, he would hire a wagon driver, a balagala, to take him to the nearby town where they had a kretschma, where they had an inn, and they had a warm, like a nice uh, lobby, I shouldn't say the word lobby, it was like a hovel, but they had a couple of peasants sitting around, they had a fireplace, and they had mashke. They had, you know, whatever they had, a vodka, something like that. And he would go in the cold winter, and he would drink some vodka, some scotch or whatever they drank. And he would sit at the fireplace and drink his vodka and he would be warm. So one time, it was a cold Thursday night and he, he was waiting for his coach to pick him up, the wagon. And he gets into the wagon, it's cold, and he's sitting back in the back with his bare skin, you know, Russian winter coat. And he leans over it, so he says to the driver, the wagon driver always takes him, he says... Comrade, do you maybe have, epis, you have a little something in the front seat? You have a brown paper bag with a little mashka? Do you have maybe some vodka in the front seat? And the driver says, we'll be there in an hour and a half. We'll be there at the, at the Kretschma. But the peasant says to him, 
but I'm cold now. I need a little something now to hold me over till we're going to get to the end. So Rabbi Palkovitz, Zuchor Lebracha used to say, he said that a mishan is a stick, a cane, something you lean on. But that mishan, lehishain, you lean on it, that's only temporary. When you walk from place to place, you know, elderly people, if you have great-grandparents like this, if you remember, sometimes they walk with a cane. I had a grandfather like this. But that's not, that's not a steady place to be. It's just to get you from shul to the apartment, from the kitchen table to the bedroom. So you have a mishan, you have a shtekin, you say in Yiddish, you have a stick and you lean on it. But the miftach is when you're settled, when you arrive. So an older person, they arrive at the table, their children or grandchildren, they set them up, they have the chair, they've arrived. They sit on the chair, they feel bitachan. They have, they're comfortable, they're not nervous. When they have a mishan, the stick, it's, it's good because it helps them, but they're not, you're not there. You don't feel comfortable. Oftentimes they feel, even with a four-pronged cane, they feel a little unsteady, but at least it's something the mishan is a temporary support. The mivtach is the ultimate feeling of security. So Rabbi used to say that there are Of course, there are times, and ultimately there is going to come a day that their bonoshalom is going to be the mivtach, the security. When we're going to be able to sit on a chair, on a couch, lie down in bed, and not worry and not be concerned. But, in a long gullus, we're not at a level of miftach. We're not there. So what does the Rebbe do? What does he give us to stay warm when we're freezing in the back of the coach in the Russian winter? He turns around and he gives us a little shot. A little something to lean on. Right, Palkovitz used to say, he gives us a little miracle. There's someone I know going through some difficult health issues. So she describes that their Bolsham gives her a wink. It's not a refua yet. Halavai, she should have a refua, But it's a, it's a mission. It's a little chizuk. It's a little shot, tarti mashma. It's maybe the six-day war, Rebbe Palkovitz would say. It wasn't the geula, but it was a, a shtickle miracle that we could say, oh, Rebbe thank you. You got us through. You're gonna, you, you gave us a little shot, we're going to make it the next few decades. And then you have the next little miracle, the next little wink, the next little chizuk. It's a miniature version of the miftach. The miftach is when we have it all. When you have, when the Russian peasant is sitting there with a full bottle and he's got his, his little, his happiness. But the miftach, that's, that's far away. But right now you need a little bit of a mission. So I was wondering if this vart is the pshad in everything that we're saying. That Yom Kippur, that is the real mivtach. That's when a person experiences and feels and is immersed in the kulo Lashem, in the day of Kodesh Kadashim, in the Ona Bashem. And that experience Hasatan does not exist, cannot be makatrig. There is no moves, there is no kitrug, there is no amalek.
It's Kulo Lashem. It's just a day of Kulo Or. It's the presence of Hashem. That's Mivtach. But we don't always see that the Rabban Shalom is eradicating Amalek. Unfortunately, Amalek, Bechol, Dar Vadar, The denial of God is built into the Bria. The Rabban Shalom created Amalek, he created the Satan, and every generation, every day, we contend with it in different iterations. And every day we say after Shachris, Zachar Amalek. We're constantly contending with Amalek in its different forms and permutations and expressions. But the Rebbe Shalom gave us a Nitzachon, a Nitzachon of Purim, when Haman, the, the ugly head of Amalek, reared, and yet we vanquished it. It wasn't perfect. We didn't rebuild the Beis HaMikdash the next day. And even when we did rebuild the Beis HaMikdash, it wasn't perfect either. Remember, where did the nace of Purim happen? It happened in Shushan, in the middle of a Golos. Esther and Mordechai, their names are Hebrew names, but they're highly, I don't want to say suspect, highly assimilated types of names. Highly Iranian Persian types of names. And Mordechai's only identity as a Jew is Asher Hoglam Yerushalayim. We don't even know who Esther's parents are. Because they're living in a tkufa of terrible shalita of Amalek. The denial of God was, was very deep. Especially if you consider when they first went into exile, the Jews thought that the relationship with God was over. We're used to God being our friend Kivyachal in exile. We've been at it for a couple thousand years. When they were first kicked out, all the people said to Yechezkel, I guess it's over. I guess it's over. And Yechezkel had to tell him, actually, it's not over. But now, after what they thought the Gullus was going to be 70 years, which it was, but, you know, the Cheshman's not so clear, after a, a while, they're in this really deep. They didn't know that there's going to be a second base of Mikdash at some point soon. They're living totally lost in exile in the Haster Astir, in the deepest Hester. This is the, the land of denial of the Rabboni Shalom. And Haman is in full control of everything. The Rabboni Shalom says, I'm going to give you one day where actually Haman has no power. He has no power. There's no Shlita of Amalek on this day. On this day. It looks like Haman is in control of everything, but not true. It's not going to last because we're, we're still going to struggle. We haven't yet rebuilt the base of Mikdash, and even when we do, it's not going to be perfect. And even after that, there's going to be more of an exile. But guess what? Everybody in that day, you know what they felt? They felt a Yeshua from Amalek in the moment. They realized that even though the Rebbe Shalom's name does not appear anywhere in the Megillah, he, the Kesei Shel Ka was not Shalim, but all of a sudden... The heavens opened and the Rabboni Shalom saved them. Amalek was vanquished and the Rabboni Shalom was apparent. It's like a little tiny spark of Yom Kippur. It's the mission to the Miftach of Yom HaKippurim. On Yom Kippur, everyone feels it. It's every year. It's massive. On Purim, 
It's a tiny little sliver. But maybe in that way, maybe this is the pshat in the medrash we started with. What does it mean that Purim is not going to be batal la'asad lavo? Because what is Purim? Purim is a day in which we deny, we reject, and we, in a certain sense, we eradicate Amalek. We clap. It doesn't exist. What is the expression of no Amalek? That's La'asad Lavo. But we don't have to wait for La'asad Lavo. That's Yom HaKippurim. So Purim and Yom Kippur are a little, a little window into La'asad Lavo. Yom Kippur is on an annual schedule, one day a year, and Purim is on a historical plane. But these are days with no Satan. Where Haman, the expression of the Satan, is hanged on the tree. And all we say there, Bosholem, he says, I'm here. And the Jews say, Kimu Kiblu, amazing. Tons of people like Rabbi Me'amarat's Misyadim. People are thronging to the Rabboni Shalom. Because when the Rabboni Shalom shines the light of Hashem in the world, people are running. People are embracing it. So Purim and Yom Purim are both days where there's no Satan, where there's no Amalek. And that will never be Batal Asad Lavo. In a certain sense, La'asad Lavo, it's one giant Purim. It's one giant Yom Purim. Now, of course, and there's more to say on this, which is not for tonight, is the way we express or the way we relate to a world without a Malik on Yom Kippur is one style of fasting and on Purim is another style of feasting. But it's the same Nakuda. It's the Zikaron. It's the awareness that ain't old Movado. That on that Yom, what is that by Yomahu? That Yomahu is La'asid Lavo, it's the days to come, but it's also Yom Kippur and it's also Purim. So I think if we look at it this way and realize that the Koach of Purim is like a little mission, it's like, it's like that shot, that stick, that support of La'asid Lavo, that Purim will never go away because it's a little, it's a little spark of a day of pure godliness, of pure good, of pure altruism, of giving, of sharing, of loving, all of these expressions of Purim. Now you see that's mamish, all the aura of Hashem, how it's expressed. It's like, it's like a little Yom Kippur, it's like La'asad Lavo. So it can help us appreciate the, the Kedusha Sayom Shabbat, not a halachic Kedusha Sayom, but the idea that we are, we are, ridding ourselves of Amalek. And the same way that a person feels spiritually gewaldic on Motsoi Yom Purim, we should feel spiritually gewaldic on Motsoi Purim. We should feel like, ah, today was that special day that the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was apparent in our world. And we tapped into something which is Zichrom Lo Yosef Mizaram will never be taken away from us, will never disappear. Lo yibatel la'olam. It's like a little doorway, a little window, a little mission into that ultimate world of la'asid lavo. If you go with this tradition that there were, there, there's this old tradition that there were two Adars in the year of the Megillah story. So in the beginning of the year, Haman does this poor, he comes out in the 13th month. He says, amazing. We're going to knock out the Jews in Echad, the Gematria of Echad is? What's the Gematria of Echad? 
Exactly. So, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, when do we get to Echad? Only La'asad Lavo. That's the ultimate unity. Right? When Rashi translates the Pasuk, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is our God, but not the whole world. Because the whole world is poisoned by a Amalek. They don't see it yet. There's going to be one day where Hashem Echad, Ushmo Echad. That's the shame Hashem is going to be Shalem. So Haman says, this is it. We're going, to, we're going to get him. We're going to annihilate the Rabboni Shalom Kivyachol. Now, obviously, that's preposterous, but that's the Indian. He's going to annihilate, he's going to forestall and reject the day that it's going to be Hashem Echad. So it's exactly like this year, the Ibriyar, the 13th month. Biyom, on what day? Shlosha Asar. It's going to be on the 13th day. The Rabboni Shalom you represent the number 13 because it's Echad. It's the 12 Shvatim with the, with the Kolol of Knesset Yisrael or the 13 Shvatim, depending on you break it down. Haman says, I'm coming after you. I am the exact antithesis of Echad. And the Rebbe says, there's no such thing. There is, there is an Echad. There is one day.